Here we are. It's December. It's duck season. This is like literally the best time of the year. And what more can I say? I mean, y'all ought to be in the woods. Y'all ought to be on the rivers. Y'all ought to be in your boat. You got to be with your dog. You got to be with your duck hunting buddies. It's mallard season, Canada goose season. If we're out in California where we've been spending a lot of time this season, it's speckle bells, speckle bellies in the dry rice season. That could go in Arkansas, Louisiana, East Texas, some parts of Mississippi as well. We're chasing them all. Puddle ducks, Canada geese, snow geese, speckle belly geese. I'm fired up. Christmas just happened. And I mean, everything seems to be falling in place for a great ending of the season. If we could just get rid of this quote unquote pandemic COVID deal, then we would be home free. Today's episode of the Foul Life Podcast, again, is brought to you by our friends at Gerber Gear, Stay Sharp America. Cut that meat off the bone, build that blind, saw down that tree, use your hatchet to take off the hind quarters of an elk and get rid of some of those thigh bones, those big leg bones. If you need something that's sharp and dependable and versatile, if you need a knife or like I said, a saw, a hatchet, an ax, a folding knife, a straight blade knife, look no further than Gerber Gear, Oregon, United States of America. They are our knife of choice and we do stay sharp and we take a lot of pride. And when we're cooking or building a blind, concealing whatever it takes we have them in our blind bags our boats our trucks you name it they're in the drawers of our deck systems gerber stay sharp america today's guest on the foul life episode you've heard him here several times he's a duck caller extraordinaire from the state of louisiana now hails from the mallard capital of the world arkansas chris cifrio jargon game calls how are you my man doing great man how about you they're killing geese over there i see Oh, buddy, we're getting them good. I'm eating good. I'm eating speckle belly, it seems like, every day. I hadn't seen any come my way yet. <laughs> Do you need me to ship some? I think I that's need, illegal. I need to spec. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. I cooked a uh, on the Traeger Grill yesterday. Well, Sunday. I cooked a uh, a pork, pulled pork, a Boston boat. Dude, kill it. See, you need, to do, you need to do that with specs or Canada geese. They, I make a Boston butt Canada goose recipe that my friend up in Michigan, um, he, uh, he taught it to me and I don't know if I should say his name or not. He works for the government, but he's an unbelievable chef too, but he taught me this recipe and several people have seen us do it, but I use foil tins in the Traeger and slow cook like a Boston butt. I use a ton of, uh, goose breasts in like a Dr. Pepper, but the best liquid is a, like a real apple cider, real high acidity, not apple juice. You used apple cider, the real apple cider. Yeah. And you yeah. let it cook in there like seven and a half, seven hours on, on low. And then the last hour, turn it up on high and man, you get that little cinch to it. And then you can get onion bun with cheese and pickles and your favorite barbecue sauce and mix all that goose meat in the barbecue sauce. You could pull it apart with forks, hence the name pulled pork. But, um, it's amazing. You can do it with geese too. Just the duck breast? I mean, you that's what you use, the duck breast? No, goose I mean, breast. A goose breast? Mm-hmm. I mean, a goose breast. Not yeah. speckle belly. I try, speckle belly is too good. It's the best eating waterfowl there is in my opinion. Yeah, um, but Canada geese, if I'm in camp and we mop them up in like Canada, you can kill eight geese a day per man for can in the California this year in the early season, you could kill 10 geese per man per day in the early part of October. And we were killing them. So you got at camp that night, I make up these big foil tins of this pulled pork goose recipe and just hammer down on some sandwiches or tacos or quesadillas. I mean, you think of a quesadilla with pulled goose is unbelievable. 
Oh, I can imagine. But I'm here to talk about duck calls because the rave right now that I'm seeing in, in duck calling world is this jargon J-frame series. Last year, it was the small talk and the loud mouth that took the duck hunting community and world by storm. Now you come with these J-frames that you've had out on the market under your original name for years. And now we've introduced them to the market under jargon. And we have the live duck, the paradox, and the chit chat. And I love all three of them. My favorite being the Paradox. It seems like the go-to favorite for everybody now is the Live Duck. It started out when we released the Chit Chat, but now it's a unanimous decision with the Live Duck. But the Paradox, talk to me about the three. Let's start with the Chit Chat. Then let's move into the Live Duck. Let's end it with the Paradox. What are they? What makes them different compared to each other? Is it the exhaust? Is it the drill hole? Is it the way the reed set? Is it the tone trough? Is it the insert? Is it the barrel? Is it the, what is it that makes these three J-frame style calls different? Because Arkansas is the home of the J-frame duck call from the early days of duck call. Butch Rickenbach probably made it the most popular with when he started Rich and Tone. And now John Steven owns Rich and Tone. Rich has passed. Rest in peace, Mr. Butch. Not Rich has passed. Mr. Butch has passed, but what makes these three calls awesome and what makes the chit chat, the live duck and the paradox different? Yeah. So the biggest thing with a J frame call is, is later in the season when the ducks start getting used to calling, used to power calling, you know, start getting a little shy, I guess you could say to real loud calls, J frames are going to be the king. I mean, you know, if you can blow a J-frame later in the season, in my opinion, don't get me wrong, you still kill them with cut-down calls, new birds coming there, you still make racket on, you know, real hard wind days and whatnot. But a J-frame, if you want to get subtle calling, you want to get finesse, you know, a J-frame is going to give you that. And, you know, of course, we offer three. The chit-chat is a the, the quietest call we offer, period. Uh, it's going to be a call that basically has got more back pressure. It's got a lot of rattle in it. Uh, we added before we add the spit grooves, it didn't have as much rattle in the feed call. But uh, now that the spit grooves is there, um, and I'm probably going to show a call that we're going to start asking us about later on as far as color wise because we don't offer it right now. But the uh, the spit grooves made the brought the rattle that come you know the rattle came out of the call on the on the feed call on the bottom end you know just on a quack it's made it to where it's rattly and it's got more duck and more voice in the call but the chit chat's going to be a, a quieter call smaller exhaust bore it's going to have a back slope tone board uh, picks that reed up to where it's you know you can put a little more pressure into it deeper tone so forth uh it's just a great all-around call when you do need to get low it does. It can't get good on the top end as far as get good strength on the top end, but it's it's really a call that you use to to finesse them in, to to work them in, to be you know kind of just work them around the corners and not be just just straight up power. Um, you know, I always have one on my lanyard depending on what the day's going to be. But cloudy days, steel days, no end. You know, the chit chat's going to be the call I'm probably going to be blowing late in the season, right? Right now is, you know, we're going into later in the season where the birds are starting to see, they've seen everything, they've heard everything, and they're starting to get used to all these things. And it's, you got to give them something different. That's the main thing is giving them something different. But that's the chit chat. And of course, the the paradox, I mean, the, the paradox I'm going to go to next. And the reason why is because it's the same tone board as the chit chat. Only thing difference on, on the paradox is, is it's got a larger exhaust bore. And you can see the, the exhaust bore on the on the uh, paradox, and then of course this is the exhaust bore on the. And I'm gonna put, try to put them side by side, but 
it's you know it's a definitely a bigger bore. It's a half inch to a five sixteenths uh, bore, uh, five sixteenths right over a quarter inch, and then of course a half inch is right there. You know, a half of an inch. So it's it makes it to where you can you can push on it a little harder. Uh, it doesn't have as much back pressure. It's got more you know top end on the top. Uh, really, really ducky, but it but it makes it to where it's not as user friendly as the chit chat. You know, anytime you open that bar up, you're going to get it to where that back pressure is going to go away, and you're going to use the you're going to lose some forgiveness as the bar opens up. And so, um, unless you design your tone board around that, but again, the tone board is exactly the same as the chit chat. And then, of course, the live duck is going to be a flat, flat tone board. It's flat as can be, and it's a it's a finesse call, straight up finesse power call. You can get high on top, but you got to be able to know how to run a duck call to run the live duck. It's a single read. It's a call that basically has got a lot, a lot of duck in it, and that's why we call it the live duck because it's got all the ducks in it. But you got to know how to run it. You got to know how to open your throat. You know, got to know how to basically fog a window and put that hot air through it. And it's got spig grooves in it too. All three calls, the Paradox, the Live Doug, the Chit Chat, it's got spig grooves in it. Um, you know, we added that to it, you know, as we started building them. And um, it's just, to me, a call now, I won't have a call without spig grooves. It just, it brings out the call. It brings out the, basically the voice in the call and just the realism in the call. It makes it to where, you know, it's more forgiving all around. But um, those are the three calls you offered. We hadn't sold a ton of paradoxes. And, you know, I think it's because we hadn't done a video on the paradoxes. But, you know, you just said yourself, it's, you know, you're probably your favorite call from the lineup of the J-Frames. Uh, and the reason why is because you, like you like to blow aggressive. You know, you like to lean on a call. And um, I like to lean on a call, too. So that's why the paradox on days, I'll, I'll start off with a live duck. And then I'll probably switch over to a paradox if I'm blowing a J frame that day. And the reason why is because I'll, I'll start getting so excited. I'll start overblowing the call. And so the paradox is going to be a little bit more user friendly to where you're not going to overblow that call. Um, got a lot, a lot of duck in it, deeper tone than, than the live duck, but uh, it's a, it's a, a great, you know, tool to put on your lantern, you know? So what's selling the best out of these three J frames so far? And we've had them out for about four months. By far, it's the chit chat. Um, second up is going to be the live duck, and then the paradox. Uh, live a chit chat and live duck is kind of head to head, but we sell a ton of chit chats. I mean, I can't keep chit chats. We sell them only in a black insert, of course. And uh, you know, you get any color barrel you want that we offer. But the the chit chat is just everybody blows it. It's like, man, this call right here is it's money. But that's uh, what everybody said about the small talk. What 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 does the the J frame and the in the chit chat is a popular call. The live duck I know is popular. It sounds awesome. The paradox will be once we start marketing it. But I love the sound of the paradox. I blow it every day. Um, you know, one of the main reasons why I blow the paradox the most is because it's the one call I won't give away. It seems like every freaking time I put a call on my lanyard or have it in my box or in my blind bag, it's gone that day. People are like, well, I'm keeping this one and my, you know, I'm softy. So I'm like, go ahead. I, I could send them to the website, but I know you're wore out with orders, but it's, I can't keep a call. So like, I, I don't know if like, if I got to like, 
put locks on them or what, but I have this one certain paradox with a green insert and an orange or an orange insert and a green barrel and it's money. And, and I blow it every day. It's the one call I won't give away. The chit chat's very popular. Why are people still buying the small talk and the loud mouth? Because they're an unbelievable duck call. Are they still selling like wildfire? And the, and the, and what, what is the difference between those style with the gut system and this J frame? So the small talk and the loud mouth, I mean, we're selling more small talks than anything, hands down. And then, and then it comes to chit chat. But that being said, you know, we're selling some icebreakers too. Uh, icebreakers, a lot of people, the small talk is so easy to blow, so forgiven that people just they go ahead and buy a single read, even though they might want a double read. That single read is so easy to blow in the small talk that they just buy it. But that being said, the, the small talk and the loud mouth have its place. You know, it's more aggressive. It doesn't have near the back pressure that these J-frames have. Um, you know, it's just a loud, they're loud, aggressive calls. Uh, the fee calls on them really, really easy. It's just a really easy call to blow, but it's not nearly as quiet. I mean, we threw a DB rating out the other day as far as, you know, tried some DBs to blow blow through a DB rater and and just see what where we're at as far as on the scale. And um, I blew a cutdown call that I had for years, whatever in there, and then blew a loudmouth next to it. And believe it or not, the loudmouth was louder than the cutdown call. And, um, you know, I think that's the reason why people are jumping on the small talk and loud mouth is because, hey, to say it, but everybody wants to be, whenever, whenever somebody calls a the shop, they don't ask me, hey, what is your easiest call to blow? They say, what is your loudest call to blow? You know, it's just the same thing with like, say, for instance, the boat world. They call and they'll call a place, an outboard place, and hey, what's your fastest motor? You know, is it is the Mercury faster than an Evinrude or... You know, is uh, you know, a gator tail fast in a mud buddy? What is the fastest motor out there? Of course, the gator tail is the fastest mud motor. It is out there. That's why gator tail just they just sell more mud motors than anybody hands down because they're faster. Everybody wants speed. Everybody wants loudness. Everybody wants the best shotgun. Look at shotguns. What shotgun shell shoots the feathers? Which one's going to knock down? You know, everybody wants the best and the longest distance and the more range to everything. And I think that's the reason why they, they like the loud mouth and the small talk. Small talk's like, you know, right below a loud mouth, but the way the loud mouth is, it's just got that top end bork to it that, you know, and it's a different harmonic that it's putting off. I mean, you can notice mallards when they come over and you hit them with a loud mouth or a small talk, it's putting off this chatter that I think they just hadn't heard over the years and they, they react to it instantly. It's, it's really unbelievable. But that being said, um, you know, we're still selling the heck out of small talks and loud mouths. They ain't going away. We're still selling those. Um, we're just trying to push and, and let people know about this paradox, you know, of what's going on with it and what kind of call it is. Very, very, very user-friendly call. Got spit grooves in it. Great all-around call. It is a J-frame, you know. The J-frame you can overblow. You know, it's not going to be like a small talk or a loud mouth to where, you know, it takes a, a, a lot to overblow it. It's kind of like a, if I was going to rate it, you got to cut down on top with the 14th hour read. And then you got the loud mouth and small talk and icebreaker. And that's going to be to where you really got to put some effort to cut it out. to basically airlock it is what we say. And then on the, on the below that, it's going to be going down the totem pole to live duck to 
paradox. I mean, a paradox live duck to chit chat, but um, I think people just want something that's very user-friendly, you know, look at us. I mean, used to back in the day, I used to drive a stick. Now I won't even drive a stick. I don't even want a stick. I want automatic. I want something that's going to be user-friendly. That's going to, you know, allow me to go down the road and still be able to, you know, just be able to be on your, you know, on the radio, play with the radio, whatever you're going to do and just have a, you know, a more enjoyable ride. Um, that's what people are looking at nowadays. It's, it's crazy the way it's kind of changing, but things have changed a lot in the duck hunting world. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to put out a call that's, you know, that's better. And that is easy. You know, you shouldn't have to be a perfectionist, you know, have perfection on a duck call in order to blow a duck call, make it user-friendly, make it to where the average Joe can blow a duck call, you know, and that's what we're trying to do. I think we've seen that with a lot of people that are testimonials that are called in and sent videos in and everything else. So, so let me ask you this bluebird skies, 12 mile an hour wind out of the Northeast sunshine, obviously high of, 45 with the low of 32 maybe 29 you're in the flooded timber of arkansas what are you looking for in a duck call chris cifrio what do we need um let's say it's this time of year season's been open a month the first split's done season's reopened ducks are a little bit mature but they're still you know they, they've they've heard it they've seen it all the way down the flyway the mississippi flyway but there's still new ducks coming into the area they're coming off the rice in the morning. They slept in the rice. They ate in the rice all night. They're coming into these trees for sanctity, security, stay out of the way of an eagle or a hawk, a coyote, might find the occasional acorn. What are we looking for in a duck call? Do we want something that we can stand on and break down those high flyers? Do we want something soft this time of year like the chit-chat? Tell me what we're looking for in a duck call as a flooded timber hunter. I mean, I'm looking at a duck call that can really scream on top. I mean... You know, I'm looking at it to where, you know, some of my buddies are blowing the same thing I'm blowing, which they do. And I'm, I'm blowing the loud mouth. I'm going to have a call that I can lean on that I can't cut out. That's going to be real forgiving and that I can really, really hard feed on. You know, we talk about that hard feed over here, that hard feeds that. And just you kind of rolling it, rolling it. Don't sound like a duck. A duck doesn't do that. It's just an attention getter. You're trying to get as much as much volume out there as loud as you can possibly be and be as realistic as you can possibly be and and just be able to break ducks i mean that's what on a bluebird day like that sun shining hitting your decoys you know you're you're more trying to push to, to where they can just reach them and then once you reach them and they start getting to a level on the trees depending on how close they are and how they react to a call you know i might drop the loud mouth Loudmouth can get good on the bottom end, but it's not going to get nearly as wide of a sound as the chit chat. I'd probably drop the loudmouth and I go over to chit chat because on the on the, whenever the ducks get closer, the wider the sound, the deeper the tone, the less likely they're going to be able to pick you out. The higher the pitch, they're going to pick you out instantly. You know, I don't know what it is, but I think the sound just spreads out across the water. So I'm going to probably, you know, grab the, the chit chat. The loud mouth is, is, is kind of a high pitched, you know, uh, volume call. It's, it's different. It's totally different than a chit chat. Um, that's what I'm picking. If it's not going to be sun sunny and it's going to be five mile per hour winds or no wind, then I'm probably going to blow the small talk. You know, it's got good volume, but 
it's a call to where you can you can lean on it on the top, but you can get whisper quiet on the bottom. I mean, it's on the bottom, just for good finesse, good feed call. Um, and and I'll probably wouldn't even have to pick up the chit chat in that case scenario, depending. Um, just that's the main thing with ducks is you got to read them, see what they do, see how they respond, and then go from there. But I know one thing. One thing's for certain, I've got a bunch of Arkansas boys over here that just started blowing a loud mouth this year. And they tell me, you know, in their opinion, game changer for them. You know, they've blown all kinds of different calls. And the main thing is that they feel like they just feel confident. They feel confident with that call. They tell me all the time, well, if we see him tomorrow, we're going to kill him. And, you know, that's, that's good to have, you know. To be able to go in there with confidence, you know, that's what you want as a hunter, you know, to be able to make a good, you know, make a good kill, get birds in, get them close, get them tight, and and be able to get, put ethical shots on them. Agreed. Very well said, but do this for me. Stand up and walk back there with the loud mouth, please. And a chit chat. They're probably cut out. Uh, well, and a chit chat. We're going to see if it's going to cut out. Hey, and bring a chit chat and bring a small talk. You got a small talk too? This is a. There's a chit chat. And you got a loud mouth? There's a loud mouth. Okay, so come a little closer and turn around. Uh, just blow with your back to me so I can see that that rump, that, that Chris Cifrio rump. And let me hear the loud mouth, breaking them down, some power chuckle. Bring them in. Let me hear some duck, and, let, 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 and then we'll try to compare them. I don't know if we're going to be able to tell the different tones on here between the loud mouth, okay. the chit chat, and the small talk. What's that? Tell me if you can even hear it. Okay, go. Here's a loud mouth right here. Breaking ducks. Can you hear that? Yes, sir. Give it to me. Again, the loud mouth, the, the more you open your throat, the more rasp you'll get. You know, if I close my throat down, I can get that real high pitch. Or if I open my throat, you can hear the difference. I don't know if you can hear it or not. I, I can hear the difference. All right, this is chit chat. So you want to go to chit chat or small talk? You tell me. So this is a small talk right here. You can have a wider sound, you know. You can tell the difference. Con I can for sure. so pretty definitely got a wider sound here's a chit chat 
Got a lot more finesse in it. Tell the difference. I mean, complete difference. Total difference. Sounds so ducky and so beautiful. I'll blow I'll blow a paradox, but there's a paradox right there. What a great name for a call. (laughs) You can tell it's got that that characteristic of a chit-chat. Got a good bottom into it. That one's tuned pretty light. That's why I kind of man. That sounds good. That's the paradox. The only thing we were missing was the live duck. Yeah, I can blow the live duck. Live duck just got all around for that. I don't know if that wasn't my favorite out of all of them. That young duck that you started off with, that high-pitched young duck, rah, 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 sounds amazing on the live duck. That's the biggest thing with the live duck is it's just the more – it's all around by far the most versatile call that we offer. By far. By far. What Did you is, hear the audio? Yeah, I could hear. I mean, I could tell – I hope that our listeners can tell the difference in the tone and everything that we're doing, um, you know, trying to bring this different sounds. But when you're in person, you can for sure hear it in the different sounds, especially when you start going through your, your raspy duck and your boss hen and all of the, the hints that you do. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, that's all the calls we offer right now. Um, got other stuff working on down the pipe maybe, but uh, the, you just can't beat it. I mean, I hate to say it. I keep all these calls in my bag because I don't ever know which one I want to choose. There's not a favorite to me. I, I like blowing all of them. You know, if I probably couldn't have two calls uh, on my lanyard, I hate to say it, I'd probably pick it either between a loudmouth and a live duck or a loudmouth and a chit-chat. Um, you can just break the heck out of ducks with a loud mouth. And I mean, the small talk, I love the small talk and I still love the small talk, but it's like, 
I don't know. I just, you know, want to be powerful, want to be able to break ducks, want to be able to try to get them ones that the, the, the higher they are, in my opinion, if you break them, you're probably going to kill them. Yep. hundred percent. And they're going to bring other ducks with them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I guess, uh, simple, simple, you know, science that if you break a duck that's high, he's going to fall down below the smaller, the, the ducks that are down, you know, a little less. And, uh, and you're going to bring them in. They're going to follow in. They just, they can't help themselves. Have you seen any but, good bunches do it this year? Man, I haven't hunted, but a couple of times, to be honest with you, I just, I've been working, trying to build these duck calls, trying to get it out make sure these customers are taken care of. We're, we've had, you know, a four to five week wait at one point in time. Uh, right now it's getting better, a lot better. Uh, but we don't have the water. I mean, that's our problem. I've heard the hunting in Arkansas slowed way down. It never really took off, put it that way. Uh, I got a bunch of buddies hunting, uh, you know, up north, down south, so forth. And, you know, they just – everybody just keeps on complaining, saying, I I don't know where the ducks are at, and they've got their theories on everything, and so do I. Um, But we never have a bang-up here if we don't have water. If we don't have water here, we'll kill some ducks. It's not as it's never been as bad as it, what it is this year. They're calling for saying that we only have five hundred thousand birds here. That's not counting mallards. They're saying we have maybe two hundred, three hundred thousand mallards here. At this time, normally we have like one point six million birds here. Ooh. Now they could be off on count because they're elusive and they will, you know. I thought there was no, I thought they couldn't fly in a plane because of the government shutting them flights down because of COVID. I don't know. I don't know. I hadn't even, I hadn't told anybody on that. I I thought they were doing flyovers, but maybe not. You know, I mean, how they've been doing crop dusters, you know. That's not a government job. That's not a government job. In a government plane, you have to have a pilot and a counter. And they said that because of the the two the pilots and the counter there, they 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 wouldn't allow it for COVID. I know the feds aren't flying, not from what I've been well, told. Yeah, the feds that's a fed job. I'm talking about the state. The state is the one that does the flyovers and the weekly waterfowl reports and stuff here. So yeah. Arkansas Game of Fish, which is the state, is the ones that do that. But I but I don't know. They could be doing a count to where they're calling people and saying, Hey, how much you how many you have down there? And that's maybe the reason why it's so low. But nobody in Arkansas is gonna tell the truth when asked that. No, and and but I can tell you the places. Uh, you know, I haven't talked to over there Cocoa Woods personally, but I've heard that they're not they're not doing very good. Um, you know, I don't know about Prairie Wings. Have you talked to Brandon? I mean, is it, are they doing any good down there? You know, everybody that I know has said by far way worse than it's ever been. And, um, you know, like I said, everybody's got, you got, your, you, got your, you got your phone by you right now. Yeah. I'm texting you a question. I don't want you to read the question out loud. I just want you to answer it. Um, because this will be a telltale sign if, if they're getting them. Uh, <laughs> you can't talk on that is that an off is that an off podcast subject well um don't i don't I, want you to say just say yes or no i'm not gonna say it's it's even who it is who it is but marty hesh has hunted over there and um they killed him a couple times uh he hadn't said anything just burners that's been burner days 
which by the way, Marty, you got three duck calls sitting in a duck boat behind the shop that I made for you two weeks ago that you had to have. And they're still sitting there. <laughs> he never came and got those. Oh, no. I checked today. I was pulling out. I was like, you know what? I didn't check and see if Marty's pulled the duck calls out there. Sure enough, they were still in there. But anyways, he's been real busy. Um, him and his family, I think, went on, went down to Florida or something the other day. But but anyways, Marty has said it's been it's been tough too. I think I think he might have went to Prairie Wings. Did he send you a picture yesterday? No. Huh? Who? Marty. No. He killed him yesterday and sent me that picture right there with our calls. There you go. He got him. I don't know how good it was because usually when Marty's on him, he don't have two hens on a strap. Yeah, well, I think his boy's running the roads pretty hard right now. Really? Yeah, he's they're just searching. I hate to say it, but when it gets that bad, the 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 older I get, the wiser I get. I'm just used to back in the day. I put I put sixteen, seventeen thousand miles on a truck one duck season. I'm and just in the state of Arkansas, I'm just not. I'm not that mad at him right now. I know that you just gotta wait. You know, we got some weather changes coming up. Hopefully that changes things. But, uh, you know, uh, maybe some water. Who knows? Um, it looks like we are going to get some water. But that being said, you know, nothing's ever, you know, 100% certain until it happens. So um, right now, it's, it's if, if it stays the way it is right now, we'll go out with the worst season on record by far. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Public areas are terrible then? No water. I heard the Bayou Meadows got. I heard the Bayou Meadows got water in it right now. Start this weekend or something. My buddy went to Bayou Meadows the other day. He hunted two days ago. He said he pulled in there, and right right before shooting hours, he said more mallards and you know he's seen land on the water, landing around them, and then they just picked up right at shooting hours and got on out of there. And he said they waited till eleven fifteen to see if anything would funnel back, which of course you know moon has a lot to do with that, but. Um, he said no birds ever came back. Now, he said there's birds there. It's not like a crazy amount. He saw a crazy amount in the timber that morning, but there, the staging areas, the resting areas, the places around. It's just, hate to say it, but in Arkansas, unless we have water, there's not enough places for a duck to seek refuge than, you know, than there is hunters. There's just not enough places. They, you know, there's more hunters behind a tree then there is basically places for ducks to get be elusive and get away from a hunter. And I hate to say it, but, you know, they're going to get on that pattern. They're going to figure it out. They're going to figure out, hey, where I can go and be safe and where I can't. And when the water comes up, there's more than enough places for a duck hunter to get and find birds that the birds have found a spot where they kind of chilled out for a couple of days. I mean, it's, you know, same thing with deer hunting. I mean, you, you get into a highly pressured area of a deer and, and those deer ain't got nowhere to run to. They're gonna they're gonna huddle down, and they're gonna stay put. And they're not gonna move, especially those big bucks. So, hundred percent. That's what's happening. There's just not enough places, and you know, I, the pressure is probably about the same as as it has been in the past five, seven, eight years. I don't think it's increased like drastically. I just think that when we have a low water year like this, it's tough. It's tough. You got Arkansas is known for water. When the rivers come up. And they get out of their banks, the ducks have plenty of place to go. So what happens when there's no water? You're saying, because there are private areas and private woods, like you've named a few, 
that can pump and they can, you know, they can pump their water in and have it. So you're saying that if the resting areas, the holding areas don't have water, there's still water on the flooded rice for them to eat. Why do they just fly over the state and go elsewhere or what, why, why does water maintain ducks or bring ducks to Arkansas? I don't think this is my theory on it. And it's, again, it's just a theory, but the places that have ducks right now, and I'm not going to name WMAs cause I don't want to get, I don't want to tell everybody's places, but uh, there's places along the Mississippi river that has ducks right now. Okay. Mississippi River is the main flyway. It's the biggest river. They're going to find that biggest body of water, and that's where they're going to go ahead and start traveling down. And everybody that's killing ducks right now, I mean, Slayton, he's killing ducks, you know, but everybody that's killing ducks is right along the Mississippi River. And it's the reason why is because whenever the water doesn't get out, the ducks don't have no reason to come into the Delta. And this is just my opinion but they don't have no reason to come into the Delta and get off the beaten path. It's like this. If you, if you're going down the highway and I, I truly believe it's just like a highway, you're going down the highway, you see an exit and there's no food signs on that exit. There ain't no gas stations on that exit. Are you going to get off? No. If it says gas station two and a half miles, are you going to get off? No, I'm going to probably chance it to the next exit and then I'll get off and I'll check and see if there's a gas station right there. Do you want to get right off the beaten path right then and there? Because if you go out, you might get lost or you might, there might not be nothing out there for you to find. That gas station might be closed down. So I think a duck's the same way. They're going down that Mississippi River and all of a sudden they come down and they're like, okay, here's the WMA or here's a sanctuary or a refuge that I can go into that has water. I can chill out there. And then whenever they start shooting them, they figure it out. It don't take but a couple of days and those birds figure out where they can sit during the, during the day and where they can feed during the night. And that's what happens. I mean, in Louisiana, when I was killing them off the Mississippi River, they were actually going up there to honey break and they were actually feeding like crazy in honey break. And then they would actually make that, that, that trip down and come into the flooded timber on the Mississippi River where there was nobody where I was hunting. I was hunting a little piece of ground that was owned by the Catholic Church over there and nobody else was hunting that. And so that being said, um, I think that ducks are going to stay close to that river, you know, when the water's low, when there's no water out here. And we do not have any water. Those places that pump up, you know, that are around Arkansas, uh, you know, Coca-Cola's and other places, you know, those places will kill them. But then if they don't have a cycle of birds or something change like rain, snow, cold weather or whatever, those ducks will get stale and they got to wait on the next bunch to come through and kind of cycle those birds out. Um, you know, if we have, if we have two weeks where it's just the same old weather, bluebird sky, nothing's changed in the atmosphere. Uh, no fronts come through. We'll just have stale ducks and they'll get tough, but we just need constant changes in the weather for them ducks to, to react and figure out you know, hey, look, I need to go ahead and move. And and they're always seeking new water. You know, they're always seeking new water, ducks are. Uh, so we need to have a reset. I always say the ducks got a reset. You'll be hunting in the morning. You know, had some guys hunt this morning. Said, man, they went out to his place and they killed him pretty good that yesterday. And then they went back today and they're acting stale. Um, well, those ducks have to reset. They burned their butt a couple of days. And, and now those ducks have to reset or you got to have a, a change. So um, 
I don't know. I, I, I just the days of going out and killing them, just burn them and burn them and burn them. Unless we have water that gets out, and we can get just bunches and bunches of ducks that are coming down, um, I think those days are, are limited. They really are. Uh, I just seen so many changes. Um, and then, of course, you know we've been on food, and and you got to have duck food. But hey, to say it, and it's good because it's legal and it's good for the sport. Um, but you know, there is tons and tons of food along the flyway. Now everybody loves duck hunting now. Everybody's in it. Um, and, and Hey, they're planting, they're trying to form for ducks. They're trying to kill ducks themselves. And there's a lot more places like that. A lot more places for ducks to stop. What are the top reasons you think that ducks hunt up fresh water? You just said, you quoted of saying that ducks like the fresh water, the new water, the skinny water, the, the rivers get out and that, that river water expands out and it gets on that ground. Does it, does it bring new invertebrates Does it bring new grasses and food and stuff for them to get in there and feed on? Or why are they always hunting up the new water? I mean, I truly believe the reason why they're hunting up new water is a duck is curious, you know, why did they even come in a decoy spread? Why do they, you know, they come into a decoy spread with other ducks in there. Why don't they stay in their bunches? Why don't they stay solitary to their bunches? You know, I think they're always curious and they're always trying to, Hey, check places out. You know, that's lots, that's how you breaking birds. I mean, you're breaking birds over the top of you. Boom. You hit them up. They hear a call. They come down. They say, Oh, there's some ducks there. They don't even know these ducks. They might've never even met these ducks before. And they drop in there and they land in there and they chill out and feed or whatever. I think it's just curiosity. I really do. I've, I've talked about the whole glass thing around the edge of the, around the edge of a, uh, basically like a tank pond in Oklahoma. Uh, and there was glass around the edge and that was where the ducks were landing in the edge. The glass was underneath the water and they wouldn't land anywhere else around that tank pond, but that spot. So what we did is we broke up some glass and grabbed some, grabbed some of that glass and brought it to another tank pond and put it on the thing. And that's exactly where they landed too. That's the reason why I think they come to a mojo so good is because of curiosity. They see a flash, you know, ducks. If you look at ducks on top, you don't see a flash on top. You see a top, you see a flash and an angle. Yeah. But those, into those first ducks that find the new water have to go in there to attract the other ducks because they're flying over that new water. There might not necessarily be any decoys. No hunters have found the new water yet. Um, yeah. I'm just wondering why they hunt up new water, fresh water. Cause I seen it in, uh, on the California, Oregon border a couple weeks ago to where this water started getting out in this grass. And I'm talking like maybe an inch deep. These, all these widgeons and mallards and sprig were walking in it. But I was like, why are they in there when they got all of that deeper water to swim and relax in? Like, I know, I know that ducks like clumpy rice fields and getting up on the clumps or, you know, and, and making sure that they got something to stand on and sun and do that. They don't always like swimming. I just don't understand why people say they like new water. Well, fresh water. Uh, yeah. uh, I'll kind of finish up on that because I didn't, you know, the main reason why is, is that that's fresh food. You know, it's, it's brand new food. It's hadn't been, you know, if, if you take a rice field and you put water on that rice field to begin the season, by the time the end of the season, that rice field, you can walk through it and turn the mud up and it stinks. I mean, that's why they call it basically dirty rice, just like it stinks. Well, I think, and well, I know on a cornfield, 
that you can sit there and flood a cornfield and you can take a cornfield and bring it up and they're always going to hit the edge of the cornfield. Yeah, they might get in the middle of it, they get pressured, but they're going to try to hit that edge. You know, and the reason why is because that's where that fresh food is that's going. I mean, in the timber, they're always going to be on the edge. You'll literally find ducks right there where the water comes up and it stops. They'll be right there on the edge. I mean, of course, that's going to be the shallowest water, but there's all kinds of spots in between there that is going to be shallow too on ridge tops and everything else. I just find they try to get on that edge, the edge of the water. I don't know what it is, but they can see it above. They see stuff that we don't see and, you know, that's just my theory on it. If I ever figure out a duck, I'll let you know. I know. I get to figure them out. For sure, though, it's 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 true because when that river gets out, those ducks find that new water. It's not new water, though. It's like some of it could be fresh rainwater, but some of it's still that murky old river water that gets out into the other trees that have been dry. That ground has. That's why they say like when you're when you're you got to dry ground out to make it the healthiest ground, right? You don't always, you want it, the cracks to come in there. You want it to dry out. You want new and new vegetation to be able to grow and flourish. And then that causes, you know, allows more vertebrates to flourish in that water, allowing more food for the fish, for the ducks or whatever. So it's obvious to me that, that when that water gets out and mixed with some of that new rainwater, it has a lot more to do with the ground that that water is covering than it being new water. It's probably just, just old ground covered by water, you know, for the first time that year, you know what I mean? So I guess yeah. it is the newest water. It's not really fresh water though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a de- definitely a, a different sheen on the water, old water versus new water, you know, water coming up, you know, there'll definitely be like a sheen on top of it that you can tell that ducks don't like that sheen on top, like that actual like green sheen, sometimes silvery, sometimes like reddish. Uh, They don't like that sheen on top of water. I've seen them flare off of a lot of times. Uh, I've seen them flare off of old rotten trees in the timber that you'll go in a hole and the tree will be kind of white, turning white and they'll come in the hole and everybody be, straight behind a tree and they'll flare off of it. There ain't no way that's it. They saw us or they saw something. There ain't no mojo in the hole. There's nothing they're flaring off of. They're flaring off of that tree. But I don't know. Sometimes I overanalyze things. You think? <laughs> you think? <laughs> you think? <laughs> All right. Well, this has been a good one. Let's continue with another one this week on um, I just want to continue this talk about vocalizations. I want now that we kind of have some of the call set forth again in the new selection of J frames, I want to talk a little bit more about execution and give people an idea of what you're doing with your throat and your tongue and your mouth cavity again in your hand and your back pressure. There is so much that goes into being a good versatile duck caller, an operator of a duck caller. You don't really blow a duck call. You learn to present air into a duck call and operate a duck call engineered the right way. And I want to get into some of that as our audience on this, the foul life and this life ain't for everybody podcast. And now our new podcast where the payment ends continues to grow. I want to give the old original listeners fresh information. And I want to give the new listeners tips and tactics just in case they haven't went back in the library of episodes and found your original ones with Chris Cifrio jargon game calls. We want to keep bringing this this content to them, these tips, these tactics to them. Let's do that. We'll be back with Chris Cifrio, Jargon Game Calls, with another episode. Chris, thank you very much for being here today. Thank you. Thank you. And I just wanted to point out that uh, 
I would say the probably the correct thing to say is as far as on a duck call is that you play it. I mean, you like literally like play it like a play a flute. You play, guitar, you know, it's an instrument. So the the Jaws flute, the Jaws flute, according to Anchorman Ron Burgundy. That's the Foul Life podcast brought to you again by Gerber. Stay sharp, America. Gerber gear. Look at their apparel, their hats, their shirts, their hoodies, their knives. Everything they offer is bad to the bone, and it will go through that bone. Get that wild game meat on your plate. Fill that belly. Get that protein. I like that check banded hat. hat. Huh? No, check out our new Jargon hats. Yeah, we got awesome new hats available right now at jargongamecalls.com. Hooded sweatshirts, T-shirts, you name it. We have it. Thank you all so much for the support of Jargon Game Calls. Please continue to support the partners and sponsors that support us here at Banded, The Foul Life, all of our podcasts, our TV shows. We got so much more coming your way. Check out the brand new The Provider, our new rubs launching soon. Our new cookbook will be available late 2021. We're working hard on that right now. I'm Chad Bell, your host. Jake, Tom, hit that button. This is 2 a.m. Logic. The song is called My Foul Life.